will go over to the person in the bed and I will just say, hello, Mrs. Smith, my name is Marcia Brennan. I'm an artist in residence here at MD Anderson. I talk with people and I'm wondering if I could talk with you for just a minute. When I talk with people, I ask one big question and I'm gonna ask you that question. If I were to ask you if there's an image in your mind of something special and important for you, and it could be anything in the world, but something that matters for you, what would that be? And as they talk, I take out my own little pretty paper notebook, right, and a 29 cent big pen, and I just start taking down their words as quickly as I can, and then I will read them back their story, and they'll be in tears usually because their story is so beautiful. This is Marcia. She works at MD Anderson, but she's not a healthcare provider, at least not in the traditional sense. It's like I'm in two places at once. So on the one hand, it's like I'm sitting just like I'm sitting with you, eye to eye, I'm at the bedside, I'm here in this body, talking with people, and I'm completely present. At the same time, it's like I'm above it all, like up here somewhere, looking down on it all unfolding. And it's like I'm watching it from almost like a higher perspective. This is not art therapy. It is not a a normal artist in residence, like we'll go in and make art. This was something I made up on my own. I'm just making it up, right? And so it either works or it doesn't, right? It is risky and experimental. I mean, even what discipline does this sit in? Is this art history? Is this literary aesthetics? Is this biomedicine? Is this clinical work? Is this religious studies? Is this philosophy? It's all of these things. It's this whole idea of bringing multiple worlds and genres together. Marsha's been at MD Anderson for nine and a half years. The idea of resident artists on hospital units goes way back. Patients in hospitals everywhere usually get the opportunity to draw or to paint while in their hospital stay. Marsha, though, is a non-visual artist, so when she got the gig at MD Anderson, she completely revamped the role. So I walk through the door. I take the elevator up to 12. And I do not wear a white coat. I never wear a white coat. Um, I wear my badge, but I wear just street clothes so I look like a normal person. Um, And I don't ever tell people I'm Dr. Brennan or Professor Brennan. I'm just Marsha. I love to hang out with the nurses and then the counselor as well, and the chaplain. The unit I work on is acute palliative care inpatient. So there is no such thing as sicker than acute palliative care inpatient at MD Anderson. So I'm dealing with extremely fragile people who are facing the end of their life with terminal cancer. It's everything from getting the bad, the, the bad news to people who are actively dying, where I sit with them and their families as they pass, to sometimes sitting with the body, with the family in the room afterwards. Part of this is about autonomy. People, I want to explain my service and then let the person, if they want to work with me, they can always say no, but to give them the choice to do this. What's amazing about that, everyone is capable of providing a presence and providing a gift through every moment of their life, even as they're passing, right? They're providing a gift for their family. It can be very poignant and people will cry, but as they remember that person and think of wonderful things or funny stories or whatever, the energy in the room shifts and instead of being that heavy mourning and sadness, it's uplifted. 
Um, would you like to read? I would love stories? to. These words are coming from the patient herself. Um, when I knocked on the doorframe <clears throat> of this room, the woman in the bed, extremely frail, and had this is very sad, had twins, two young children. And so I knew that we would be making, we would be using her imagery to create a gift for them. I'm going to read you now her words. Her story is called Lotus as Pure as the First. My image is of flowers, of lotus. It grows out of the mud, but it's so white, so pure. The lotus is always important for me. It's just the pureness. I want the world to be like that, with not many evil things. Just the pureness. I like the water that collects on the lotus leaves. It's shining. I want my young children to grow up to be as pure as possible, not contaminated by the world, but to keep as clean as possible. That is something very difficult, to stay as yourself in the world, to stay as a child in this world. Children have to grow. They don't have control over this. They have to grow. Eventually, they grow up and they die, and there will be new life again, hopefully as pure as the first. So again, it is Buddhist, it is um, personal, it is aestheticized, it is also poignant and heartbreaking and realistic. It's everything at once. This woman had no idea I was coming in. They never know, right? I never know who's on the other side of the door or what's going to happen on any given day. But things like this happen, and what can I do? All I can do is bow my head and say, thank you. And may I have permission to share this? And they will say, yes, well, I'm so happy for you to share this. And then their beauty continues to be seen. And in my nine and a half years, um, I will just say that I have worked with thousands of people and I've attended hundreds of passings. Before I started doing this work, um, I actually had two fears. My two fears were that I would be completely useless and have nothing to offer. Like really, I was afraid of that. The other thing that I was actually afraid of wasn't necessarily being emotionally overwhelmed. I was really afraid I would see something physically in the hospital that would be so upsetting that I'd have to turn away or I'd pass out or something. Occasionally, they can even be dangerous. They can be a danger to themselves, not so much even the patient, but the family, because they're out of, almost out of their minds with grief or anger. And so in those situations, I just step out. I just say, I just say um, I'm glad I got to meet you, thank you, and I just step out. As someone who's afraid of their own death, I wonder how she copes with seeing this much death on a weekly basis. This job is not for everyone. You cannot be selfish. You cannot, right, be doing it for ego. Like, you can't. It just would not work. If you were just all about the metrics and the numbers and, you know, go check out, you know, the renal carcinoma in 47, it's a really rare slide. Like, no. I mean, there's a culture, right, of caring. I can just imagine that Marsha isn't the same person that she was nine and a half years ago. What I do know is she's taught me just how impactful this kind of work can be. I will say that um, nine and a half years in palliative care at MD Anderson, I have learned that the end of life is all about life itself and the many different kinds of love that we experience as human beings. That is a lesson I relearn every week, and I've relearned it every week that I've been privileged to be present while I do this. 
You cannot do that kind of work and be the same person. She's taught me that being a resident artist has allowed her to make connections between the arts and the sciences. The work I did as an art historian with understanding beauty and how that works means everything when I go in and am present with people. But most importantly, she's taught me a really big truth about all humans. There's nobody who will not be a caregiver at one point in their life or who will need care at some point in their life. There is no one who will not love or be loved. And here's the thing. I'm dying, and so are you. And so is everyone else. But Marcia's taught me that we all have something beautiful to contribute. Even during our life, at the end of life. I've met world leaders and celebrities, and I've met people who have absolutely nothing. Just destitute, you know, uh, people who are on public assistance. There is no place where beauty is not. There is no place where grace is not.